Today I'm going to conclude our series called Church Around the Table, and this has been a three-part series. If you've been journeying with us, hopefully you have been challenged in your view of church and God's intention for churches that gather together, not just in buildings, but also around the table. In the first week, I showed you a picture of our dining room table. This is a place where homework is done. This is a place where can become a bit of a junkyard, a dumping ground where there are times when people are coming and we're like, we've got to clear this table. There is just everything sitting on this table. It is also a place where we eat breakfast together and mostly dinners together. It is a place where we connect. And when you look at this table, it doesn't seem that glamorous, but actually this is one of our most valuable tools in our home for spiritual life and ministry. In the book of Acts, we see the early church didn't just meet in buildings, but they met around tables and they shared meals together and they had communion together. And my heart is that we don't just see what we do on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half as church, but that church is far bigger than that. We are the church and the church can gather under a tree, it can gather in a building like this and it can gather in a home around a table. We don't just simply go to church, we are called to be the church and the series has been called, we are called to gather around a table. Simon Carey said this, it's, a good, it's good to be reminded that the table is a very ordinary place, a place so routine and everyday it's easily overlooked as a place of ministry. And this business of hospitality that lies at the heart of the Christian mission is a very ordinary thing. It's not rocket science, nor is it terribly glamorous. It is, the, it, it is the very ordinariness of the table and of the ministry we exercise, and sorry, yet it is the very ordinariness of the table and of the ministry we exercise there that renders this, these elements of the Christian life so important to the mission of the church. Most of, most of what you do as a community of hospitality will go unnoticed and unrecognized. At base, hospitality is about providing a space for God's spirit to move. Setting a table, cooking a meal, washing the dishes is the ministry of facilitation, providing a context in which people feel loved and welcome and where God's spirit can be at work in their lives. Hospitality is a very ordinary business, but in its, in its ordinariness, it is real worth. I know we love the glamour, we love the glitz and the glamour. We love the extravagant. We love lights and we love smoke machines and we love, and we love all the things of the spectacular. But eating a meal around a table is very ordinary, but very powerful. And that early church seemed to meet around the table. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship is the word that we looked at last week, to koinonia, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And my encouragement last week is to fellowship with one another, to share life together, to meet in homes, to meet around tables. Fellowship is the intentional relationship around the way of Jesus. Jesus, It's gathering with the goal of encouraging each other to spiritual growth. It's doing life together. It's sharing in the life of Jesus. It is very easy to come and sit in a church meeting. Not a lot is expected of you, but a lot is expected of you when you are to one another, one another. When you are to carry each other's burdens and encourage one another. 
and pray for one another and be there for one another and support each other, that costs you something. But coming and sitting in an auditorium like this may not cost you a lot. And I mentioned last week that on the 31st, is it the 31st, the last Sunday of the year, we are not meeting in this building. We are meeting in homes. And my encouragement to you is invite some people over to your house and cook a breakfast. I know Lorian is great at cooking breakfast. He's famous for these breakfasts that he does. So invite some people and do church in your home. And maybe it's brunch or maybe it's lunch, but our meeting will not happen here in the auditorium on the last, on the 31st of December. How many of you have a welcome mat at the front of your house, at the front of your door? Can I see by a show of hands? Lots of you. You know where the word welcome comes from? It's two English words. Will, meaning desire, and kuma, meaning guests. In other words, we extending an invitation. This home desires guests. That's what the welcome mat says. This home desires guests. So if you have a welcome mat, I am going to ask you to please host some people in your house. Your home desires guests on that Sunday morning. And then I said last week that there's obviously people in this church who are new to this church and do not have strong relationships and friendships. And I realized that it's awkward for you to go and just invite yourself over. So I'm going to ask some people to open their home to the stranger in this place. And if someone doesn't have a place to go on that Sunday, that you phone the church office or you go to the information desk and you put your name and your phone number down. And I know Justin can get together with some of the people he knows, but maybe Justin, would you open your home to people who are not connected relationally in this church and invite the stranger into your house. This is the topic of today, hospitality. And it is not a thing that we should go, wow, that you're asking a lot from me. Actually, the Bible is very clear about hospitality, the hospitality that we are supposed to show as Christians. So let's define hospitality. What does the Bible say about hospitality? Well, the primary New Testament term for hospitality is phylexiana, okay, which means the noun which talks about a lover of strangers. And the adjective part, phylexinos, talks about given to hospitality. So we're talking about two words, phileo, love, and then we get xenos, which talks about the stranger. Where do we get that term from in our country called xenophobia, which is what? The fear of the stranger or the foreigner. And this is the opposite of it. This is the love of the stranger or the foreigner to us. A term that we can use to define hospitality is the ministry of making others, often strangers, at home in our home by welcoming them and sharing our home with them, providing food and lodging as needed. So when you think of hospitality, some of you might be thinking of entertainment. When we entertain people, most of the time it may involve a roast and it may involve your nice crockery and cutlery and it may be dressing up a little bit and it may be making sure your house is looking perfect or maybe you've got that Instagram worthy dessert that you're going to serve to your guests. Someone said hospitality doesn't mean entertaining people. 
Entertaining is often about impressing others, where hospitality is about serving others. Entertaining is often about the host. Look at me, look at me, look at what we have. Look at this yummy food I'm giving you. Where hospitality is about the guest. Entertaining is often shallow and superficial, where hospitality is about depth and authenticity. So, when we think of the word hospitality, some of you maybe think of the hospitality industry, like hotels and B&Bs. Maybe some of you studied hospitality, and maybe some of you are on our hospitality team on a Sunday morning that come and make the visitor, the stranger, feel welcome in our services. A side note, all of you are on our hospitality team if you belong to this church. One amen. You are all on the hospitality team. It is all of your responsibility to welcome the stranger, the visitor into our celebration, not just the ashes in our visitor's table. You don't like what I just said. (laughs) You're all on duty every Sunday. Some of you, when you think of hospitality, we find the word hospital in the word hospitality. The main part of hospitality, when we talk about hospital, which originally meant a haven for guests. When we talk about a hotel and a hospital, we're seeing a guest or a patient that is offered a bed to sleep on and maybe some food. This is where we typically think of when we hear of the word hospitality, room and board, often for free. But biblical hospitality is more than just a room and boarding. This is what God intended our homes to be, havens for guests. So in the Old Testament, if we start in the Old Testament and then go to the New Testament, hospitality was a requirement of the Old Testament law. Leviticus 19 verse 34 says this, do not take advantage of foreigners, or another translation will say strangers who live among you in your land. Treat them like native born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. So love the stranger the way you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, hospitality today is different in every culture. If you take the Near Eastern culture, hospitality was a big thing. It may not be as big in my white Western culture today. And maybe in your um, African culture, hospitality is far more of a value than it may be in my culture. But in the Near Eastern culture, hospitality was an actively highly esteemed, it was highly esteemed by the culture of the day. When you were traveling in the desert, um, you relied on someone taking you in on your journey. It was a virtue that they carried to look after a stranger or a visitor. Actually, when you took them into your home, you then promise them protection. By taking them into your home as a stranger, you then said, I will fight for you by you coming and eating a meal with me and living under my roof. If something happened, I would put my life on the line for you with a foreigner or a stranger. When I go traveling, so we're going to travel on Monday morning, most of us will stop over at a B&B or an Airbnb or if you're lucky, a hotel on the way somewhere. But when you're walking in that 
time, traveling was very dangerous and your life depended on being able to stop over somewhere and be taken in to a home with a family and find some shelter, maybe a, a floor to sleep on and to receive some food. So we see this happening in the New Testament. Hospitality was demonstrated in Luke 5 verse 29 at the house of Levi. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 to 15, at Peter's mother-in-law. In Matthew 26, as Jesus was anointed in Bethany. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38, in the home of Mary and Martha. And I can go on and on. You can look at the hospitality Jesus received. Most of the time when you read the gospel of Luke, he was either on his way to a meal, eating a meal, or coming from a meal. Coming from a meal, eating a meal, or going to another meal. Jesus received hospitality when he traveled. And we see the early church missionaries also receiving hospitality when they traveled from place to place. And they even had in the Didache, which was this ancient church manual, to try and also protect the members of abuse of this. So in the Didache, it said this, let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord, but he must not stay more than one day or two if it's absolutely necessary. If he stays three, he is a false prophet. And when an apostle leaves you, let him take nothing but a loaf until he reaches further lodging for the night. If he asks for money, he is a false prophet. This was a way of just managing the abuse of the day when it comes to hospitality. The Italian proverb says, a guest is like a fish. After three days, he stinks. So when we think of hospitality, it's one thing to think of hospitality of someone on a journey somewhere and you take them in for a night or two. It's another thing in our context, in our country, where there is so much poverty and people are unemployed and do not have a place to sleep, that becomes a different ball game, right? The other day, someone, it was probably about a year ago, I received a phone call from one of the teachers in the school to say there's a lady in our car park with her child and she's asking the church she doesn't have a place to sleep tonight and she is sleeping on the street. She's a little bit intoxicated. Something's happened wherever she was. Do the lady, the teacher phoned me and said, do you have a place for her to sleep tonight? And unfortunately, we don't have a home or a flats where we can house people for a couple of days just to get them on their feet for them to move on. So I said to her, sorry, I physically don't have a place for her. And this teacher, and I can publicly honor her, her name is Barbara Siaki, took her, took this lady and child into their home that night. And she probably phoned her husband and said, listen, I'm bringing a guest home. And maybe she said to her son, heads up, you need to move into your sister's room tonight because we're using your bed for someone else. But she showed hospitality to a stranger. And the next day we were able to phone one of our social workers and we were able to make a plan to try and trust that we can get her into a, a communal or a place for her to stay. But I wanna, I wanna publicly honor that teacher for taking a stranger into a home. So how does that affect us? What should our attitude be when it comes to hospitality? Well, the New Testament is quite direct. Romans 12 verse 12 to 13 says this, rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to show or to practice hospitality. 
This isn't just waiting for someone to come. This is looking to help people who need help. This is challenging to say, how can I practically show hospitality to someone who is in need? This is an attitude that we need to have when it comes to hospitality. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 to 10 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sin. Cheerfully share your homes with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. What is that attitude we're supposed to have? Cheerfully. You don't look very cheerful right now, except for Stash that looks cheerful. The rest of you look very serious. Cheerfully show hospitality. Another translation says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Mm. See, hospitality is both action and affection. It's easy for you to put someone up in a room and give them a shower and a meal, but not have your heart in it, to grudgingly do it. Biblical hospitality is both action and heart. It is loving the stranger. It is loving our neighbor as though we were loving a family member or someone that we knew well. Hospitality engages the stranger both with our hands and our hearts. Hebrews 13 verse one to two says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Well, some of you have done this, some, are, some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Anyone entertained an angel recently? Every day. So this comes from Genesis 18 when Abraham is sitting outside his tent and he sees three strangers. And they don't come and say, can we stay with you? He goes out to them and says, come and have a meal with me and let me provide lodging for you. And it turns out he was entertaining the Lord and angels in that moment. And this is where the Lord gives him this promise about you will have a child. And Sarah, I think, laughs in that moment. But how do we do this in South Africa? These topics are fun to talk about, but in practice, they're difficult. Yes? So this Henry Nguyen, and I just did some research of him. He lives in Holland. He's Dutch. He says this, our society seems to be increasingly full of, full of fearful, defensive, aggressive people, anxiously clinging to their property and inclined to look at their surrounding world with suspicion, always expecting an enemy to suddenly appear, intrude and do harm. Sounds a lot like South Africa, right? But still, that is our vocation, to convert the enemy into a guest and to create a free and fearless space where brotherhood and sisterhood can be formed and fully expressed. If we were to be real, we live in a country that has a, a crime problem. We have a problem with poverty and unemployment. And we have a, probably a house that has walls up and maybe electric fence and burglar bars and we are living in a place where we're trying to keep the stranger out. For many of us that have had a bad experience where someone has come and done work on your house and you've been burgled that week because they've come and seen, ooh, nice stuff in your TV room. And oh, this is your alarm system or this is a lack of an alarm system you have. 
So some of us are quite fearful to allow strangers into our home. And there are people sitting here today who have had home invasions. And there is a lot of reason why you are fearful. But this isn't just a South African thing. We've got family overseas. Milan's sister lives in America. They do not have people over to their house ever. And she never goes into someone else's house. They always meet in places like restaurants when they meet with people. They just don't have that culture of having people into your home and having a meal. So I don't think this is just a South African thing, but I do wanna talk about the context of our country. And practically, when you have a stranger in your home at night, how many of you would sleep peacefully knowing that there was a stranger sleeping in the room next door? How many of you would be anxious about your children? How many of you would be anxious to wake up in the morning and wonder if your stuff is still there? But you know, we can allow these fears and these things that have happened to us to stop us from showing biblical hospitality. Actually, this is one of the requirements for elders in the church. If you want to be an elder, a leader, someone seen and recognized as someone mature in the church, it is expected of you to show hospitality. So church leaders must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. Another translation would say showing hospitality and must be able to teach. I think three reasons why elders are expected to operate in this. One, because we cannot as leaders say, do what I say, not what I do. So guess what? We have to model hospitality. Second thing was, this is a great way to get to know people, to invite them into your home outside of just a church meeting. And thirdly, it is a way of protecting the flock. So if I have someone coming up from Cape Town that has a ministry and he says, Paul, I need to stay. Can I stay in one of your houses, one of your church congregants' houses because I'm here for a conference? I don't know if this guy's a weirdo or is a false teacher, so I'll put him in a house where I know the elders can make sure he's not teaching false heresy. So those were some of the requirements of being an elder. So let's talk about this practically as I bring the sermon series into a landing. The very first week, I spoke about this practice of communion, that it is something that was celebrated as a meal in the early church. So my challenge to the church was once a month, we're gonna meet in homes and we're going to have a meal together and we're going to physically break bread. This is a challenge that I hope next year will be fulfilled. If not, we'll just have communion together on the first Sunday or the last Sunday of every month. And then last week, I tried to challenge you to do shared life together, church outside of this building. And today, as I bring this sermon series into a landing, I am hopefully going to be able to tell you that the table is a great ministry place. This is a great opportunity for friendship evangelism. This is a great tool for mission. So mission is a very ordinary thing. Unfortunately, in our world that we live in now, we look at the Synergy and Mission team and say, oh, the missionaries are called to do the missionary stuff. We are not missionaries. Actually, evangelism and reaching the lost and inviting those that do not know Jesus is all of our responsibility, not just for the, the super spiritual missionaries. We are called to all be missional. 
And one of the best tools that you have is your dining room table or your lounge to invite your neighbor or your work colleague or your gym member over for a meal. And I'm not saying take your Bible and Bible bash them over that first meal. Ask them a simple thing like this. Tell me your story. Where did you grow up? Have you always lived here? Tell me your story. And then hopefully they reciprocate the question and you get to tell them your story and you start building a friendship. And this is how you look for opportunities to then bring Jesus into the conversation. We are all called to love our neighbor in a practical way. Who is our neighbor? It's a question that we can read when you look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Radically ordinary hospitality, those who live to see strangers as neighbors and neighbors as family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. They see God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. Those who live out radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs at all, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors, they seek out the underprivileged, they know that the gospel comes with a house key. When you look at the life of Jesus, he was always looking and pursuing the outsider. He never just wanted to stay with the insider group. He was always pursuing the outsider. And my heart for us today is that we would catch the same vision that says we need to have a heart for the outsider, the stranger, the foreigner. So let's find some practical things. First challenge, first practical step. Some of us have had a busy year and in all good intentions, we've meant to have a couple over for a dinner this year and the year got busy and I just couldn't have that dinner with Wayne and Tracy. So if you're not going away over the December time, make an effort to invite them over and have that meal with someone that you've intended to meet. And they're probably people that you know. Step one, and that might be a challenging step for some people here today. Step two is to look around and invite someone you do not know and have relationship over for a meal. Jenny highlighted it. This was the value of our church in the very beginning. Every Sunday when I said, have a great Sunday, service done, people would walk around and say, hey, Tim, what are you doing for lunch today? You, you do and Byron want to come for a meal. And you, every, uh, listen, are we going to Milan's mom today? <laughs> but next time. Every Sunday, this was the value to go to someone and say, what are you doing today? I've got some chicken pregos and rolls. It's nothing fancy. It's not a roast chicken. We're just going to have a roll with some salad. Would you like to join us? That is challenge number two. What is challenge number one? Invite someone you know that you just have been too busy to have over for a meal. Challenge number two is to invite someone you don't know over to your house for a meal. Challenge number three is to see it more as a, an evangelistic opportunity where you go and invite a work colleague, a physical neighbor, someone you know at your gym, or someone that does not know Jesus around for a meal. That might seem a lot harder especially if they've got a dirty mouth or they've got some bad habits. 
and now they come into your home and you're just trying to block your children's ears because they just can't help but spew pollution. So that's more challenging. Here's the final challenge. This is the high grade challenge. Jesus says in Luke 14, when you put on a luncheon or a a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back and that will be only your reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. This is high-grade stuff. This is high-grade maths. What's the next level to maths do we normally do? AP maths. To invite someone who will never be able to repay you and you show hospitality to them and you welcome them into your home and you love upon them. Our homes are to be hospitals, refugees of healing radiating the light of heaven. And our dinner tables are to be operating tables, the place where broken souls are made whole again. In our churches, people could find rest from their battle for acceptance and and release from the lie that they are nothing more than the goods they possess. When we lower our defenses, when we move our facades and begin to be truly present with one another, then the healing power of the gospel can begin its work. I wanna say that we can have wonderful ministry times in the front of the auditorium. And sometimes we believe that God's presence is most tangible and present in the front. I wanna say that God's presence can be so tangible and present around your dining room table, in your home, not just up here in the front on a church service. Milan and I have received deep ministry sitting around a table with couples as we weep and we cry and we allow God's healing to happen in our lives. And then we've had people sit at our table where we felt the physical presence of God as God deals and works with people sitting at our dining room table. What an amazing tool we have that isn't confined to a building, it's in our home. And you may not have a decent sized dining room table. You might just have two or three chairs. Find a way to invite God's presence to come and minister to those around you in your own home. So I wanna finish with some questions. The first question is, what is stopping you from showing hospitality in your home? What is that thing that's stopping you from being hospitable to the stranger, the foreigner, people you don't really know? I want you to answer that. And this week, if you meet with your life group and you talk about the sermon, talk about the things that hinder us from having people into our homes. I know some of you are sitting here today with these sort of questions. How do you host when you're an introvert? How do I open my home when it's so tiny? Do I have to cook? How do I make food when I'm on such a tight budget? I'm single, how do I host families? I feel like my house is never presentable enough to host. What do I do? I have no problem hosting, but when I do, people won't leave. What do I do? (laughs) 
at simple, start turning off the lights and closing the curtains and say goodnight. <laughs> and how do I get my spouse and my children on board? I'm not looking at you on purpose. How do you get your spouse or your children on board when you say, I want to host people and have people for a meal, right? Your, your grumpy husband is gonna have a problem if he doesn't want strangers at his dinner table on Sunday for lunch. These are some practical challenges that we face. But I wanna say God cares about what happens between Sundays. I wanna say this table is a ministry opportunity and I'm gonna repeat what I said in the beginning. At base, hospitality is about providing a space for God's spirit to move. Setting a table, cooking a meal, washing the dishes is the ministry of facilitation, providing a context in which people feel loved and welcome and where God's spirit can work in their lives. Hospitality is a very ordinary business, but in its ordinariness, it is of real worth. Let's live it out. And for those that are not going away in December, here is an opportunity to show hospitality. And for all the doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, my challenge to you today is to invite someone over for lunch today. And when it comes to that 31st, when we are not meeting in our building, I would like to invite you, please don't take it as an opportunity just to sleep in and do nothing. Church is still happening on the 31st, right? It's just not happening in this building. If you do not know anyone, please go and give your name today at the information desk and say, I would love to meet some people on the 31st. And for all my high grade people that are willing to open up their home to strangers, please would you also give Teresa your details at the desk so we can show hospitality, amen? Let me pray and then we can... Go and enjoy this hot summer's day. Lord, we know that hospitality should not be such a foreign concept to us, but it's who you've called us to be as followers of Christ. Lord, that you would help us with our attitudes toward hospitality, that we wouldn't do it grudgingly, that we would cheerfully have people into our homes and show hospitality. One, two. Those that we know, those that are strangers to us and those that we're trusting for salvation for. I pray, God, this morning that you change our attitude in this area. Lord, our homes don't belong to us. They ultimately belong to you. Would you use our home? Would you use our dining room tables? Would you use our lounges? Would you use it all for the extension of your kingdom? Thank you, Lord, that we are all called to make disciples of all nations. Won't you, Holy Spirit, give us the boldness and the courage to be your hands and feet and your mouthpiece as we truly show love not just to the world, but to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Only done by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we ask you to enable us and to help us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name we pray.